The Second Chance by John Nevinson, read by Jim Newbury. It was the cruelest letter that Ellie had ever written. The venom was directed at the person she loved most in the world. It seemed to scorch through the envelope as she marched purposefully through the dirty grey slush to the postbox in front of her bedsitter. As she reached it, she skidded on an icy patch, lost her balance and fell into gutters gurgling with dirty melt water. Two hoodies across the street jeered. There was a shout and they were gone. The icy coldness on her wet legs and back made her gasp. She rolled to her side, clambering to her knees, just as the red collection van pulled up the hill from Princess Street, swishing to a watery halt at the curb. You're right, Hen, called the ginger-haired driver, as he slithered round to her and helped the shocked woman to her feet. Yes, yes, she murmured doubtfully. You'll no be posting this, he grinned, waving a soggy envelope with her father's neatly written address already blurring into a blue ink-stained blotch. No, no, Ellie smiled weakly. I shall just throw it away. And start it again for the 7.45 collection tomorrow morning? He laughed. Maybe a hot bath at first, I think. She gasped through teeth, which were starting to chatter uncontrollably. And a wee medicinal dram, called the driver as he opened the van door. Ellie limped awkwardly towards the big Georgian door of the house. She pushed it open and made her way painfully along a stone-flagged hallway full of bicycles towards the foot of the winding staircase. Stupid letter. All because you rushed into things and don't think. She upbraided herself. Thank heavens I didn't post it. Stuart is old news now, but at least with Dad and Liz I can have a second chance. She opened the door of her tiny room, turned up the low gas fire, and within minutes had collected her dressing gown, towel and soaps to go down to the bathroom on the next landing. Soon, Ellie was drowsing in a hot bath lost in thoughts of what might have been. It was the cruelest letter that Ellie had ever written. The venom was directed at the person she loved most in the world. It seemed to scorch through the envelope as she marched purposefully through the dirty grey slush to the postbox in front of her bedsitter. Two hoodies passed her, and a little intimidated she slowed down. As Ellie heard the letter land in the postbox, the red collection van pulled up the hill from Princess Street, swishing to a halt at the curb. With a sense of relief, she stood back and watched the ginger-haired driver scoop the letters from the box. The letter to her father had gone. It was done. Within minutes, sitting by the noisy gas fire, her mind drifting away from the travel documentary on the small portable TV, Ellie regretted the foolish letter. Once again in her life, she had acted rashly, quickly, heedlessly, thoughtlessly. She grinned wryly. The very words which her parents used to throw at her throughout her childhood. Headstrong, willful, wild. She had followed Stuart here to Edinburgh, 
rashly and willfully. She had thought he would leave Jean and the children for her, stupidly. She had refused to listen to her widowed father in Carlisle, heedlessly. She had spurned her sister Liz's sympathy with cruel, unfounded jibes about the smugness of married couples, thoughtlessly. She had thrown up her good job at a solicitor in Brampton and was now working in a greeting card shop off the Royal Mile. Crazy. Reckless. Switching off the irritating TV, Ellie paced the cramped room, her stomach starting to knot as she realised the sickening enormity of what she had done. Not the chase of the reluctant and spineless Stuart, or the slanging match with his tenacious wife, or the loss of her wonderful job, or the renting of the miserable damp flat. No, it was the letter. That cruel, vindictive, splenetic outpouring from someone who had always put her own wants and needs before anyone else. It was so unnecessary that rapid five minutes of ill-thought-out emetic scribble would surely kill her frail father. Ellie shivered violently as she picked up the phone to call train inquiries. She would travel the 100 miles to her father tonight, call it a surprise visit, and destroy the letter when it arrived in the morning post. But the last straight-through train to Carlisle from Waverley had gone, with connections for others not guaranteed because of the snow. What now? Angela, it's Ellie. Sorry to bother you. Uh, my father has been taken ill in Carlisle. I need to see him tonight. Any chance of borrowing your car? You'd have it back by midday tomorrow. Within the half hour, Ellie had thrown night clothes and toiletries into a green plastic carrier bag and was taking a taxi to Angela, an easily put-upon colleague at the shop whom Ellie had exploited before. Angela, a whiff-like and awkward Glaswegian, was only too happy to hand over the keys to Ellie because now something exciting and different had happened tonight. And the indebted Ellie might become a better friend to her. Arriving at Angela's house in Musselburgh, Ellie lied that she would have loved her company down to the border, but she might very well be all night at Cumberland Infirmary. She drove away into the sleet, and soon Edinburgh's lights were lost in the dark as she travelled west to pick up the main motorway for England. Soon she began to head south, with the big container wagon spraying the windscreen with slushy salt spray. Alone with her anxious thoughts, Ellie recalled the cruel phrases in the dreadful letter, jealous and spiteful comments about her sister Liz, wounding hurtful things about her father and even her dead mother things that had obviously needled her for years, which her father wouldn't even remember. Or if he did, he just couldn't credit that a grown woman could overreact in such a way and show herself to be curdled with unhappy memories and thoughts. Ah, but there were enough acid half-truths and self-indulgent bile to wound her father deeply. They would destroy any feelings which the gentle old man might still have left for his consistently wayward and histrionic daughter. The sleet had become snow upon the moors at Beatock Summit, driving right into her headlights. 
glancing at the dashboard, reading ten o'clock, Ellie felt like she was the only person in the world on this foul night. The blackness of a lonely countryside, devoid of towns and villages, made her feel more isolated. Guilty thoughts were harder to throw off here. She switched on the radio for company, and then off again quickly. Dusty Springfield's silly, silly fool was the last rebuke she needed tonight. Ellie's mind seethed with genuine regret for her actions. Soon, white writing on a blue signpost read Lockerbie, so she knew she'd be at her father's door within half an hour. As she crossed the border into England with its red cross of St George, the cruel phrases from the letter screamed into her mind. Just because her father, in his mild way, had tried to make her see sense and gently rebuke her for her harshness to her sister, she had crushed him with a catalogue of bitterness. For years she had stored, nurtured and even loved her sourness, like some perverse hobby. Living alone and half inarticulate after his last stroke, Ellie's father was a cruel, easy target. And now she realised, somewhat too late in the day, that all he had spoken was the reasonable truth. Ever since she was a child, she had been determinedly willful and selfish. At last, Ellie thought, I have learnt my lesson. As she pulled into the northern suburbs of the border city, Ellie concocted her story. Her father would be in bed long ago, so she would have to spin a yarn about a business trip, poor road conditions, and needing to break her journey and stay over with him in Carlisle. And then in the morning, she'd make him breakfast, drip honeyed words over him, intercept and destroy that hateful letter. Then, everything in her life would be all right again. Glancing at the back-slapping men, leaving the big, well-lit pub on the street corner, Ellie didn't see the traffic lights change. Soundlessly, her car skidded into the van in front, then bounced off, careering onto the pavement and striking a large metal object. In a cacophony of breaking metal, the windscreen fragmented, the bumper buckled and the bonnet crumpled in the split second before the Irish meat wagon behind her crushed the car. Ellie lived just long enough to see that she had collided with a postbox. box.